Oh, hey there. Come on in. We're just about to start. Welcome to My Wife the Dietitian, a fun weekly podcast about nutrition and healthy lifestyle. I'm Rob, and together with my wife, Sandra, we invite you to join us on this informative and entertaining journey through the complex world of healthy eating. Join us each week as we strive to help you with transforming your overall health and relationship with food through up-to-date, evidence-based nutrition information. Food addiction, it's a controversial but important topic. A growing body of research shows that for some people, certain foods can trigger brain responses similar to substance addiction. Hyper palatable foods that are high in sugar or fat or salt can lead to compulsive, uncontrolled eating episodes. Today, we talked to Dr. Vera Tarman, author of Food Junkies, who works with patients with food and other substance addictions. Getting a lot of research that's showing, yes, there are foods, especially with the food industry, spending a lot of money with food engineering to get foods to be addictive so that it's hard to have just a couple of Reese's peanut butter chips or whatever. You want more. But anybody who eats that is going to be lured by that because that's the food industry's job and they do a great job. If you thought that you couldn't get addicted to food, then stick around for this thought-provoking interview. Enjoying the show? You can help others find it and enjoy it too by giving us a five-star rating or review. If you feel like reaching out to us with a question or comment, you can send us an email at mywifetherd at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at mywifethedietitian.com, as well as our social media pages. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the show. Welcome to My Wife the Dietitian. Hello, Sandra. Hi, Rob. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Today we are talking to Dr. Vera Tarman, who wrote Food Junkies, Recovering from Food Addiction. And we're learning all about the controversial topic of food addiction. Yeah, I didn't realize there was such a thing. I mean, we've heard of drug addiction and alcohol, but uh, food addiction, hey, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. Well, I guess that certain foods can actually trigger brain responses similar to the substance addictions. Hmm. So hyper palatable foods, like foods that are ultra processed that have lots of added sugars, or they could have added fats and salt. So they could be the savory types of foods. And that can lead people to have a compulsive, uncontrolled eating episodes. Interesting. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, she's a medical director of Renaissance and a staff physician at the Salvation Army. And she has a special interest in the clinical syndrome of food addiction. Hmm. And she works with patients with food and other substance addictions. Well, that kind of makes sense, I guess. It should be an interesting interview. I'm, I'm curious to hear more about it. Yeah, and I, I think with her work and the growing body of evidence, they're trying to get it actually as a diagnosis in the DSMS as uh, food addiction. Right. That's like the psychiatric manual or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So getting it uh, like an official label for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's bring out Dr. Vera Tarman and find out all about food addiction. Well, 
Well, welcome, Vera. Thanks so much for joining us on our show today. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and who you help in your work? Yes, and thank you for inviting me. I'm always happy to talk about the subject of food addiction because people usually just roll their eyes and go, come on, you can't be addicted to food. So if I can get somebody who's going to listen seriously, I'm always happy. So I'm, my name is Dr. Vera Tarman, and I'm an addictions physician, and I work out of Toronto, uh, mainly with drugs and alcohol. But I've been as a sideline, just because it's an area that I'm passionate about, um, have been talking about uh, addiction the same tools, the same concept as I do with my uh, drugs and alcohol, I do with food. And uh, mainly I do educational, like I speak about it a lot, but there actually was a time uh, for three years just prior to COVID where we actually had a food addiction program in our treatment center. So I've got uh, clinical experience as well. So that's kind of my, that's what I do. Um, And I've got my book, which I'm sure we'll mention at some point, Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. Oh, I love that. That's where I, yeah, I saw your book and I heard you on a podcast and I thought, oh, this is so interesting because as you said, uh, it's not actually science, like, well, that's a question actually I'm going to ask Mm -hmm. you um, because it's so interesting. Is there science that indicates people can have a food addiction? Okay, so here's the thing. So there's the, that's kind of like a three-part answer. If you look to the literature, the actual research, the academic research, what, what you'll find is uh, there's a fair amount of research talking about the addictive qualities of specific foods, mainly sugar. I know, I know we'll talk about ingredients in a little bit. Actually, now more and more people are talking about processed food in general. So you'll find stuff that says, uh, yeah, you know, it, here's the reason why um, a, a rat, it's actually a lot of it is animal research. A, a rat will choose sugar over cocaine or sweetener over cocaine. So we're getting more research like that. Uh, so that's the first piece. Yes. And and the second piece would be that there's more research on things like PET scans where you can see that the brain lights up the same as it does with cocaine or alcohol, it does with sugar. So we're getting more research like that. And now thirdly, we're getting, but this is this is early days. It's it's where we need to get more research, and where research is now starting, which is clinical, actual people, not PET scans, not in the research laboratory, but actually out there uh, when they're eating particular foods, what happens to them? Like, do they actually develop a food addiction syndrome? So that we can determine that one person, everybody who eats a bag of potato chips, probably struggles to some degree with. I'm just going to have a handful and you have half the bag. But there's some people who have to have the whole bag. And once they've had the whole bag, they want the, the, they didn't even think about what was in their fridge. But now they're looking at routing through their fridge going, what else can I have? And, and that might um, stir off a binge for the rest of the night. Those are the people that we're talking about. And that's the area where we're now looking at research. And I can give you um, the research about how we're getting there i can give you like statistics that we think like how many there how many food addicts there are in society Uh, but this is all really early days because actually researching people in the life experience we need more of that and especially around treatment and that we haven't got that yet and it's because of that that um uh, agencies like the dsm-5 which is the uh, diagnostic and statistical manual Uh, psychiatry, the board of psychiatry that determines what's a diagnosis and what isn't, they just keep saying, show us the research. And that's the research we have to get and that we're trying to accumulate right now. 
Oh, that's super okay. interesting. Hey, does this affect like if someone has is considered an addict, does that mean they're always going to be like that with the chips like you were explaining? Or is that something that they could be like that sometimes? Like, is it yeah, is it so, black okay. and white? No, no, that's a very good question. It's actually a continuum. And most of the research, that's that's kind of like what I was talking about. We're getting a lot of research that's showing, yes, there are foods, especially with the food industry, spending a lot of money with food engineering to get foods to be addictive so that it's hard to have just a couple of Reese's peanut butter chips or whatever. You want more. Mm -hmm. Anybody who eats that is going to be lured by that because that's the food industry's job and they do a great job. But well, uh, and and just that like the logo is like, bet you can't eat just one on the Lay's potato chips, right? (laughs) It's like, obviously they're marketing. That was 30 years ago. Yeah, and they're boasting about it. Uh, so that doesn't mean you're a food addict. It just means that you're at the whims of the food industry. But for some people, it's like some people can have a few drinks and put it away. And there's others where they have a few drinks. And then there appears to be if they have too many a few drinks too often that some line gets crossed. And, and it's almost like a, there's a continuum where if you have too much too quickly all at once, then you end up starting to develop what I would call a food addiction syndrome. And that's like what we would say, that person is not just a a, um, heavy drinker, they're now an alcoholic. And that means that now, can they go back? No, because something has changed. It's an actual uh, brain adaptation uh, that's occurred. And once that's happened, you can't really go back. And those are the people that have to be um, extra careful. And eventually, I mean, I'm going to preach about abstinence. You have to stop your substance. The person who's a crack addict has to stop. They can't moderate anymore. They did initially, like nobody signs up to become a crack addict. Nobody uh, signs up to become an alcoholic or a food addict. They're just doing their thing in society, you know, getting whatever is available at the time. But for some crossing that line happens sooner than others. And once they've crossed that line, they're going to have to stop because it's basically the same idea as once a person becomes a diabetic, they can eventually learn how to be a diabetic in remission, but they're still a diabetic. And that's what we say about addiction as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause that's the whole thing we I've always said, you know, in our craving change classes and, you know, emotional eating, um, when we're trying yes. to help people, it's all about like, well, you know, you can quit drugs, you can quit alcohol, you can quit cigarettes, but you can't quit yeah. food. But I guess you right. can, you can tailor what types of food, but then you it becomes it. this almost like an eating disorder, right? Like it's like, you know, where's the yes. line, like binge eating disorder or, you know, wh- right. like, there are so many, it's, it's, there's layers of the, uh, like the onion, the layers there's, of the onion, right? You know, there's so many layers and those layers uh, end up causing conflict within the food addiction community and the mm. eating disorder community. And it's too bad because we end up fighting with each other rather than with the food industry, which has created the problem in the first place uh, by making foods that are so delectable. And, mm. uh, you know, First of all, how do you define the difference between somebody who has an eating disorder and a food addiction? Is there a difference? Is it a continuum? Are they two distinct things? We don't know, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, And so, yes, if a person is a food addict, they do run the risk of you start restricting food, uh, like, you know, make your food your enemy, essentially. Uh, that causes an eating disorder. Like, we have to be very delicate and careful with this because it's it's so 
confusing. It's like you said, it's peeling the, uh, the layers of the onion. I actually think that it's probably a really good idea to have a coach or a, a dietitian. Now you are a dietitian, not a nutritionist, yes. a dietitian. Yes. That's and, right. and the fact that you're open to food addiction is valuable beyond beyond speaking because we need to be speaking with each other and together so because you can recognize okay is this an eating disorder or is this a compulsive eating because of a particular food so let's talk about can we talk about uh, the ingredients that, that we usually yes mean with please because that's i okay. see it all the time when our clients i mean yes. it's it's yes. such a shift when they start eating more whole minimally processed foods and eating like, you know, three meals a day and two snacks, but like whole foods, like they're cooking and they're actually, it changes. It really changes their taste buds improve. Like, so they actually can taste the natural food and, and they're not, you know, their blood sugar becomes under better control and they lose that little belly fat. And like, it's just incredible how mother nature has always provided the perfect matrix of food and like structure and vitamins and minerals and all the macronutrients and the fiber and the water in the food exactly. to yeah. deliver to our system, uh, you know, in a way that won't make us sick. It won't give us heartburn. It won't give us indigestion. It won't give us bowel problems. won't give us arthritis, like all these chronic inflammatory conditions that I see in my practice is like, I can see that food can have such a big impact in how people are experiencing their health. So yes, let's talk about the ingredients. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, you've already mentioned all the ingredients that are great to eat. And, and so let's say you're a dietitian and I'm an addictions physician, and both of us agree that eating real foods, unrefined carbohydrates is excellent, is fine. Um, and I think that I, my guess is that you're going to say eating a sugary, uh, uh, refined product is not fine. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess that. So it, like the concept of emotional eating and intuitive eating and all that kind of stuff, those are great tools if you're not eating addictive foods. And if you're not so far into the, the addiction continuum, uh, like what I would call an end-stage food addict, any food can become addictive, even healthy foods. But those are rare people. Those are rare animals. Most of us are in the middle somewhere. And if we can avoid, so what are the foods that we want to avoid or that we can call, I, I'm going to say not avoiding foods. These are our trigger foods, foods that will trigger the addictive impulse. That's almost always sugar. And I'm not talking about the sugar in fruits and in vegetables like carrots and beets. I'm talking about added sugar, refined sugar, industrialized sugar, stuff that doesn't need to be there. Because what's happening there is if we ate real food, all of us like sweet because it's energy dense and it's potent, but it's full of energy. Our brain loves that stuff. And it was uh, our but, first uh, first taste yes. with our mother's breast milk. Like it's, yeah. Absolutely. And we like it and it's okay. So if we could just have breast milk all our life, we wouldn't have any problems, but that's not possible. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, um, but, but so what, what's happened is, is that the food industry has taken this natural predisposition to wanting sweet and fat, uh, especially together, which is breast milk, and has heightened it beyond what the brain is capable of doing. And it overpowers the brain circuitry and the brain, therefore, the neurons, the uh, neuro, it's called neuroadaptation. It adapts to that onslaught of extra uh, uh, sugar. And, and so then when that adaptation happens, this definition of addiction happens. So it's almost always sugar. And then next is refined carbohydrates because that's basically almost sugar. Um, Mm. then, uh, now there's most, most people in the addiction world will say 
that's the basis of it. Um, now we're talking more and more. You've probably seen the book Ultra Processed People with uh, yes. Chris Van Tolleken. Yeah, he's saying, look, it's not just the sugar and the fats. It's actually the processing of the foods themselves. So it yes. can be processed anything, processed oil. It could be processed probably meat, uh, like proteins. Uh, any just the processing itself um, has a has, because it's a focus on texture, um, uh, the focus on smell, on on the refinedness of it, how quickly it goes to the brain. You can make anything addictive just by the virtue of a processed food. And we in the field are so in agreement with that that we're probably going to say, let's not call this uh, food addiction, let's just call this processed food addiction. Yes, so, yes, that So makes that more when sense. people yeah. say you can't stop eating food, you say you're right, but you can't stop eating processed food. Right. And and it's like, then the whole line is blurred about like, what is processed food? Because yogurt can be processed, yes, but you know, know, but, know. but it is, well, it's the food that in the bag that, you know, it's, yeah. um, well, it's, it's, it's ultra, you don't even food. know where it came from. Like, you don't even know, it, like, exactly. where, what did this thing start as? Like what, but it was manufactured. It was like actually chemically produced by the food yeah. industry with like high fru- fructose corn syrup and different um, elements that right it's like not even recognizable and it stays in on the shelf. Like it doesn't rot. So that's the other thing. Yeah. Like, this food know, that's not that rotting, thought. like it needs to yeah. rot because that means yeah. it's real food. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. okay. And we Sorry. don't call it food. We call it a food product. Yeah. Food product. That's the other thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I know Rob's got a million questions. What uh, do you have anything? I have a question that might fit right now. I I was curious where emotions fit into this. Like like take for example, you hear all the time. Yeah. You know, like my boyfriend broke up with me, and I ate a whole bucket of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Is that an emotional trigger? Or is the ice cream, like you're craving the sugar in the ice cream? Like, how does that scenario kind of fit into this? Well, okay. So when boyfriend leaves you, you, you don't have a, a big plate of Brussels sprouts, right? It's always Not usually. something that's... No, I, no. I don't. Unless, no. <laughs> You've had a boyfriend leave you? Maybe sometimes people will have, go out and have something, sort of overeat on something, but they're not likely to binge on it in the same way as they would the ice cream where you finish the whole tub. So they're reaching for a refined, probably sugary, fatty product. Again, high energy dense. And because it is soothing, like it's, it's it, again, it's part of that whole thing about how we eat, we're supposed to get a positive effect. So there is an actual um, positive effect. I mean, if you look at the neurochemistry, it's you get, uh, especially with ice cream, oh my God, you get all the neurochemicals you could want. You get the right. dopamine from the sugar, which is the excitement, the pleasure, like, oh man, that's so exciting. I really love this stuff. Can't wait until I try another, you know, let's try the latest type. And then you get the um, serotonin, which is that sort of uh, soothing, you know, serotonin is safety, soothing, comfort. You get that. And then ice cream, it, it's, it's, it's milk, it's protein, it gives you endorphin. So it's like having a bottle of wine as well. Like you get a slight, that slight buzz, which is a kind of numbing feeling. You know how if you have a tub of ice cream, you're not dancing around, you're kind of glazed out. That's the endorphin <laughs> effect. Right. And what does endorphins do in our body, uh, it, in our brain? It, it is a pain reliever. It's a numbing agent so that mm. I don't feel pain. Oh, so after the boyfriend leaves, you eat ice cream and then it numbs the, it it numbs it, but then you feel guilty. Like that's the whole thing with people with eating, well, issues with binge eating or just that they can't stop eating something is that whole guilt and shame and feeling like, oh, repent, like what did I just do? And then you're kind of like hurting yourself 
you know, you're, you're getting hurt, but then you're hurting yourself more. And you're describing there the symptoms of addiction because the alcoholic, I mean, basically that tub of ice cream that you're having is basically your another person's bottle of wine. And when right. that person's finished their bottle of wine, they're glazed out, they're, they're dozed out. They, they know the problem, but they don't care anymore. But they feel the guilt the next morning and the shame and the why did I do this? These are all the features of addiction. Mm. So there's, a, there's an emotion that causes the trigger like the trigger would be, okay, I want to eat the ice cream. And then the ice cream yes. causes a chemical reaction in the brain. Yes. Is, is that kind of how it works? And then, and then you just want more. Okay. Yes. That's exactly how it works. And that's how it works with everybody. However, right. for the person who does that all the time, uh, like that, they use food as their main coping mechanism that there's where the progression of food addiction, as opposed to addictive foods, addicting you once in a while, the person that does this now all the time, it becomes their mainstay and then they become dependent on it. And then that's this engine of addiction where now it's become your life. You need it just to feel normal. That's the development of addiction uh, right. because of constant exposure of a high um, amount of, of uh, whatever it is that you're eating. Now you, you get to a point where you can't survive without it. And that's what we call food addiction, like the end result. So we did uh, smoking cessation classes in one of our local um, groups here. And, uh, you know, when people ha are um, addicted to smoking cigarettes, they they get their dopamine levels changed. So they need the cigarette yep. just to get to a normal, like a level that most people would call normal. Yeah. And yes. I, I wonder if that's sim similar, like you get uh, used to a, a different level when you're addicted to certain foods, like you yes. need that just to get feeling yes. just like baseline. Absolutely. And one way you might tell if, if you have a listener who's going, geez, I wonder if that's me or not. Here's a question that I would ask you or whoever's listening is uh, when you are in distress and you're eating, are you still enjoying it or are you just eating it because you don't want to be in the moment? In other words, you're trying to avoid something because that's the difference between the addictive eating versus food addiction. The person eats to get the comfort, they get the comfort and then they you know, they feel embarrassed and that's the end of it. But the food addict, they, they're, they're, that's how they got into it. But now it's like, I, I have to keep eating this. I don't even like this. And I can tell you that that crack addict or the food addict, whoever it is, that's there looking at the repercussions. I can't pay my rent or I've got diabetes and I'm obese, whatever it is. They're not going, geez, I want to have more of this. This is delicious. They're, they're, they're in such a, a state that they can't stand the moment and they need that substance. If for no other reason than maybe the next bite, the next smoke, the next drink will make it go away. The next gamble, I'll win. Like it's it's always the hope that the next, because I can't stand this moment. And if you're at that place, now you've crossed that line that I was talking about earlier. You're not enjoying it. You're doing it because you can't stand where you are. Oh my god. And were you saying that, say you, um, like would food and alcohol and, and drugs all impact your brain the same way and give you the same kind of results? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. The, the difference is, is that um, some substances take longer and they're more under the radar. Like, for mm -hmm. example, cigarettes are, are, you can, there's no question that they're damaging and they cause lung cancer, heart disease, et cetera, et cetera. But it takes 10, 20 years. Um, you can, you can get a, a very quick end by taking too much opiate and then you've had a fentanyl overdose and you're dead. So right. we, we, we have, we have some addictions that are more quickly deadly 
Food is one on the on the it's more on the spectrum along with cigarettes. It takes mm -hmm. a while. It is just as deadly. We have more people dying of obesity than fentanyl overdoses, but it takes longer. And because it takes longer, we don't see it. We call it something else. We right. call it obesity, oh. we call it diabetes, we call it, you know, societal, whatever. We should be calling it um, uh, a food addiction or, or a processed food addiction. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And in your, in your book, The Food Junkies, which is such a yes. great name, I like that, um, you describe all of this. And in the, in the end, like, is there any kind of like actionable tips that people that are struggling with food addiction, like what can they do? Yeah. Okay. So the fact that you, um, as a nutrition, I mean, you're in a fabulous position because it sounds like you're sympathetic because you're talking to me and you're open and you're asking me questions. Um, what, what is really important is that a person, um, first of all, be introduced to a, a diet that is appropriate because we don't want people restricting. I mean, like not eating, uh, like I'm just not going to eat or, or I'm not going to eat these things. Like you want to, you want to still get your essential things that you need, but you can take out the stuff like you don't, as you were listening earlier, when you were listing all those things, whole foods, you didn't mention any highly processed foods in there. So find somebody like yourself um, who will give a good food plan that is solid and food addiction friendly, which means get rid of the processed foods. That's number one. Then number mm -hmm. two, and again, you're doing this already with your people, give support. Because once you acknowledge that this is an addiction, nobody wants to be like I said, the crack addict out there, the heroin addict, they're all going, I hate this life. Um, I, and, but how, they can't get out of it anymore. You can't do it yourself. So the other thing I would say actionable step is find a, um, a good diet plan and somebody that will walk you through it, like a coach or a nutritionist or something. Secondly, get support to quit. You have to quit the ultra-processed foods, the triggers particularly, which are probably candy and chips and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be very hard. So you need support. You need somebody basically to hold your hand or lock you up so that you can't sneak out in the middle of the night. Because that's what people do. <laughs> I, did, I did hear there was the top five that are most addicting or like foods that have the most... Yeah. Um, it, like chocolate, number one, yeah. um, ice cream, two, French fries, pizza, and then um, cookies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So stop all of those and, and acknowledge it's not going to be easy. Get help. Uh, get a support group. I've got my, uh, my sugar-free, um, uh, I'm sweet enough, a Facebook group. Like you have, it sounds like you have a community of people that you speak to. You want to get support. That's number two. You got to do that. And then number three, don't like, don't go out of there in the world. This is kind of part two. Um, expecting that people are going to go, oh wow, good for you. You quit sugar. They're gonna they're gonna be putting it in your face. Hey, you lost weight. Have some of this because you've lost weight. Now you can have some. You have to develop a, a protectiveness, just like the alcoholic is not going to go into a bar because they know it's going to be tempting. Mm. Uh, to develop some sort of an external um, protection for yourself acknowledging, I guess maybe the main thing is that you have an, a, a, an issue. And if you don't have an issue, by the way, and you can get away with having a little bit once in a while, then keep it to the once in a while, because you don't want to cross that line. But if you've crossed the line, then you're going to do those things that I said. Right. Both those are actionable enough. <laughs> I'm guessing you'd probably want to find foods to replace the ones that are your triggers or well, I don't know. Do you need to, though? Because once you stop, okay, maybe here's another, here's, I, I do want to end on this message of hope at some point. And that mm -hmm. is that if you quit, people are going to be going, oh, my God, how can I quit? 
the chips and the muffins and the whatevers. If you quit that stuff with support and eat, I'm not talking about being hungry, I'm talking about eating healthy foods, in two to three weeks, a couple of things will happen. One, your taste buds will come back for good, healthy food. You don't need a substitute for chips. Why would I have that when I can, I love my Brussels sprouts. Like, I don't need anything. If I can taste those Brussels sprouts, which I'm telling you the truth, I love them. They're one of my favorite vegetables. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't need it. When I'm eating those, I'm in heaven. I don't need anything else. I enjoy them like I enjoyed cheesecake many years ago. Uh, awesome. So you don't need a substitute. You're going to go back to what, you, what your, your nature, nature meant you to eat, which is real healthy foods. And then the second thing is, uh, that will change in two to three weeks is that your craving for those crazy foods will start to go down. Just like the smoker, once they quit smoking, um, I don't know, it takes about, I don't know, three months or something. You know, somebody smoking a cigarette is like, get out of my face. I hate that stuff. I couldn't stand it. Like you're going to have the opposite effect. You won't need it. You won't crave it if you stop it. It, but you have to get over those three weeks. It's that yeah, transition period. The, yeah. It's yeah. The transition you, period. Yeah. You'll have, yeah, we you have it, a bit of withdrawal. Yeah, you exactly. have a withdrawal, and you just you just kind of deal with it and push through. Is that what you're what you're saying? And that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you can't you can't just think if you're an ex. I don't know if you're an ex smoker or not, but you can't smoke a little bit of a puff from a, somebody's cigarette or have a cigarette and then don't call it smoking because it's not you didn't buy it. You know the things that people say that stuff keeps the um, craving alive. You have to exactly. literally stop it. And, yeah. and uh, I assure you, you won't need to replace it because you're, like I said, your, your taste buds for the good foods will come back. I'm just thinking replacing like in the transition, it's, I mean, you got to have a lot of discipline and I'm guessing that people who are yeah, struggling okay. with this, there's okay. an emotional element that might be extra okay, difficult so for can, them to. Oh, let's go. Okay. In the addiction world, we call that harm reduction. So then you can use sweeteners instead, um, use, use stevia, use monk food instead. And okay. um, I know that one of the questions you, you, you maybe you're going to ask that at the very end, like, you know, if you go to a potluck, what kind of dessert can I bring? One right. thing that I, I, I bring, which I think is delicious and people love it, is strawberries with a little bit of balsamic uh, vinegar. Like, oh, my God, that's so good. Mm. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Balsamic vinegar. Yeah, oh, that, that's actually that's actually a, an Italian delicacy dessert. When I was in really? Venice, I saw that on there as a dessert option. Yeah, strawberries with balsamic vinegar. No sugar, because the sweetness of the balsamic is enough, but it's not enough to trigger a craving. Right, and the strawberries are sweet, so yeah. That sounds really neat. Yeah, we'll have to try yeah. that. <laughs> try it. <laughs> yeah, try it. So yeah, the, and and if you need something that's a little more typical, uh, then uh, you know, make something but with sweetener instead. Makes right, sense, right. just for that yeah, transition we, until you've sort of yes. weaned off of it. Hey, yeah, okay. Yeah, and that transition can last a couple of years. I know myself. I, I um, it took me like three or four years until I I quit sugar many years ago, and then sweetener. Actually, I go on sweeteners every once in a while, and then I go off them. So it's it's um. The, the thing about sweetener is, besides the fact that they're not totally healthy either, um, is that they still promote the preference for sweet. Exactly. And, and, uh, I do not like sweeteners. I, yeah. And, and uh, you know, then I wouldn't enjoy the strawberry because I just had some sweetener. But if I don't have the, the sweetener, um, but if you need something in between, you can use that. And don't feel guilty if you need it for more than a year or two. Right. You'll, you'll right. get off eventually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's tricky. And I mean, we live in a society where every place you stop, there, there's so much food available all the time. And mostly yes. it's not whole minimally processed foods. Like if you're going through a gas station or a convenience store, uh -huh. or, you know, we have these Don't food deserts. Bother. 
Yeah. Yes. It's just, yeah, I don't, I so feel bad hard. for people who live. Yeah. Yeah. Where they can't access fresh, like that's why I love supporting like CSA kind of produce boxes where communities supported yeah. agriculture. And so that you get like all these, um, these good foods that you have to be creative in the kitchen with. And it's, it's just a way to support local and get more whole foods. Like it's more sustainable too, for the local environment. And it's yes. just, um, yeah, there's so much goodness around like eating foods that are, you know, around your local area. It's like a better carbon footprint. Like you're reducing that whole travel you know, the food has to travel and all that, but also just, mm -hmm. you know, the, I think, um, the ultra processed people, that book, I just, I think that's yes. such a clever name because it's so true. We, you are what you eat and more yeah. and more of our food is so unrecognizable. I mean, I loved when Jamie Oliver went into the grade four class and held up a oh. tomato and said, can any, does anyone know what this is? And not oh one gosh. child could recognize it. And the, he said, wow. do you know French fries and ketchup? And they're like, oh, we love ketchup. We put ketchup on everything. Well, ketchup's yeah. made from tomatoes. And it's just that connection. Like, where does our food come from? And, you know, yes. I think we're getting more and more away from that with all these industrialized food, like the food industry is creating food products and we just yeah. have to it's the, the marketing is so strong they have so many um so many dollars to you know food scientists to make sure that it's got the bliss point so that people will exactly, buy it yes. and then they're not putting on the shelves the ones that the food scientists and the tasters didn't like they're only putting the ones that they liked so it's it's actually increasing people's like their bliss point they they want more yeah, exactly. of the you know and then yeah. those other yeah. products don't last so they get off the shelf and so they just keep raising the bar and it's affecting yes. our taste buds and we need like you said you need two to three weeks to just get your taste buds used to the natural flavors yes. of foods and spices and herbs and those kind of things exactly. so and, yeah. and and the goal there would be um to, to if you're not yet a food addict you don't want to become one and if i can just throw out some statistics here really quickly that, yes, that, um, when we talk about food addiction how many people in society are i think we're now estimating it's about 15 maybe tops 20 percent which is about the same as alcohol it's around the same uh, thing, but we know that it's higher in the obese population. It's probably 50% of the obese. And what's happening? We're getting a gradually a, a, an obese population. Like Two-thirds of society is now at least overweight, if not obese. So those numbers, it's going to be more than 15 or 20%. It's actually going to be higher and higher. So if mm -hmm. you, I, I'm saying that if you're eating this stuff, event, eventually, it's just a question of when will you develop into that poor person that at the end has that's all that their life is about versus just if you are going to eat sweets and you can get away with it and you can put it away keep it to minimal so that it doesn't expand into or and if you can just avoid it completely that would be the best yes because you don't yes, want to cross exactly. that line because I yeah. and I think what is happening in our society is just our sedentary lifestyle our ultra like we're so stressed because of technology and social media and yeah. answering emails at midnight and we're not getting our sleep so all these things 
it makes us like our coping mechanism is to reach for the sugary food to numb the the stress and to help with our anxiety. And that's what I see is people just need other ways for self care, other ways to like take a break and have a little meditation session or just have a nap or just don't reach for the food, like have a glass of water and go for a walk or have something, you know, yogurt and fruit, but to have something that's like real food and not just a Twinkie or something that's, you know, um, yeah. And I, I see that in my, in just talking with people all the time and it's such a struggle. Like I think in the last 10 years, our stress level has just so increased. And I think this is all related, like it's all connected. And, you know, I work in uh, long-term care with people with dementia and over the last two decades, I've seen like this this dementia uh, epidemic, like it's just increasing like so quickly. And, you know, it has to be related to our lifestyle, our food, what we're eating and our our stress level. And it's so there's just, it's such a multi-level, like layered onion, (laughs) like it's such a huge puzzle. And, uh, you know, just, I keep saying, if we get back to nature and get back to how our grandparents were, I mean, they had different stresses in their life, but they didn't have technology where you can answer things at midnight and, you know, be worried about the phone calls and the emails and, you know, all and what's the friends doing. And it's just like, there's just so much that's put upon humans these days that it's we're under this chronic stress, and we have to find ways to cope. And people do use alcohol, they use drugs, and they use food. So, you know, and I see it all the time is people are using food to help numb those emotions or to just try to distract themselves. Right on. I agree. (laughs) 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 Rob's always like, oh, there's your rant. (laughs) Here she goes again. Yeah. No, it's, it's honest. It's honest and, uh, and legitimate, Sandra, you, you, you've come from a, the real world. So it's, you're speaking the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, I like that Vera, Dr. Tarman here, she works in clinics. She sees people, she's written a book. So, and she's looked at the research, like she's done all of that. So that's why I really wanted to talk to you because it's different when you talk to maybe a scientist or someone who's in the lab, but they don't Mm -hmm. have the real like human um, experience with people in a clinic, like the repeatable, like day Mm -hmm. after day after day, you see the same thing. And I see it too. And it's like, you know, people ask, is it hormones? Is it like, and a lot of it is just like, not moving enough. We eat way more than we think we do. I think people do their food history. And, you know, and then it's just, it's amazing. I think people so underestimate what they're eating just day to day with the snacks and the meals and everything. And yeah, it's, it's so interesting and it's complicated and everybody's different, but at the same time, there is like an epidemic, like you said. And I, I really think that the way our food, like the way we're eating and what we're eating is, is definitely um, contributing to this price we're paying with our health. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about your book, Vera? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, so I've got my my book, Food Junkies: Recovery from Food Addiction. It's it's a it's a primer on food addiction. I like to call it a primer. It's written for the public and also for clinicians who are in the field to understand, you know, what is food addiction? What's the biology behind it? 
what's the science behind it, and what are the signs and symptoms, and then to some degree the treatment. But when I wrote that book, when I, that, the, the most it's the second edition of 2019, the treatment that was available now wasn't available then. So I wrote what was up to that point in terms of treatment, but it's a really good starting point. And then I also have a podcast that's called Food Junkies, and that's kind of the living version. It's like that's where we talk to various researchers and clinicians uh, about like th- what's in the field. Uh, yeah, and so the two together, I think, is a really good way to understand food addiction. Sounds awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And and then by the way, um, I have a Facebook group. If anybody is interested in a free. Um, support and people will go, go on right. there who have been there for years uh, not in the group for years because it's only been a few years old but um, have been food sober for years and then people who are just starting today saying what do I do um, you know they help each other and it, that's called um, I'm sweet enough sugar-free for life <laughs> I and I invite, I, like I invite that. anybody I to join that oh yeah yeah, yeah. you're so generous to write a blog article it's on our website and so people can access that article that Dr. Vera Tarman has written. And it's kind of a synopsis of her book, but it's, uh, yes. Um, yes. yeah, it, the book is linked at the bottom of that article and it's called Food Addiction. Is it a real thing or is it a thing? Yeah. Just wondering if you had a website as well. Um, I have a website, but I, I admit I don't use it that much. It's called addictionsunplugged.com. But where I am a lot, and, and if people are interested in learning more, I have a YouTube channel now. Oh, and awesome. I'm posting more and more and more sort of little mini lectures, like 15-minute, 10-minute things on, uh, you know, why do I keep relapsing? You know, what's the difference between this and an eating disorder? Like that kind of stuff. So Great. And they're like mini, mini lectures. So that's just under Vera Tarman, MD. Perfect. Oh, good. oh, good, good. Please, okay. please join, subscribe, and like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There you go. Oh, oh, this has been wonderful. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What a uh, passionate conversation we've been having. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Hey, Rob, do you have any other questions? Uh, no other questions, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for joining us. It's been really fascinating. Like, the work you do is is... I find it really interesting. I've got a psychology background and yeah. I find any kind of discussion we have with people about human behavior when it comes to, well, anything with human uh-huh. behavior, but this time it's with food, but it's really fascinating. This, the, the way the human brain works and, and uh, yeah, really enjoy talking to you. So thanks for, well, thanks thank for coming you. out. And thank you for asking me. I'm very pleased to speak about this. Yes, you can. I can tell you're passionate about this topic, and I really appreciate that. And and we really appreciate the time that uh, you've taken away from, you know, the clinic that you are fully, you know, Monday to Friday. I think I think you're very busy in your work. So um, this was really great to have you come and and spread your message and uh, get the word out about um, this problem that we're facing in society. Thank you so much for joining us today, Vera. And um, yeah, we look forward to when we come out on a road trip, we will uh, look you up in Toronto and uh, okay. <laughs> we would love to have right. some of your strawberries and, and balsamic vinegar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Take care. Thank you. Wow. Vera is passionate, eh? Yeah. She's definitely got a lot of experience in this field and it's it's really interesting. I can see the there's a real fine line between food addiction and like an eating disorder. Yeah. Like, binge. yeah. like she did a really good job of explaining the difference, but yeah, I, I think there's, 
that's part of the part of the problem with helping in this in this area is is just that there is a lot of confusion around the two. Yeah, and there's different camps out there in terms of what uh, you know, intuitive eating and eating disorders, binge eating, uh, you know, like tracking your food, those types of behaviors versus just lifestyle with overeating high hyper palatable foods like high in sugar and like the ultra processed foods if that's a big part of the diet then we know moving towards more eating like whole minimally processed foods can be really helpful Mm -hmm. we didn't even touch on the the sort of backlash that the food industry would have if if everything was labeled as an addiction you know like that's a whole other topic but that is an element too that I'm sure is contributing to the the whole picture here. Yeah, it's very controversial. It's still in its early phases, as she said, like it's not even in the DSM as a Mm -hmm. disorder. Yeah, so there's a lot more information. She's got a pretty um, thorough YouTube page with a lot of information, a lot of videos on there too. For people who want to investigate this a little bit further, you can check that out. We'll put the links in the show notes. Yeah, and also her book, Food Junkies Recovering from Food Addiction, mm-hmm. is one to look up and uh, get more information on. Yeah, exactly. So we'll put all the links. Uh, she gave us a few different spots to to find her, so we'll put all those links in the show notes so you can follow up on that. Yeah, good. All right. Well, that was a really eye-opening and interesting conversation. Yeah, we learn something new every week here. It's amazing. And hopefully everyone else tuning in is is uh, appreciating this information as well. You can check our website out as well. There should be, um, actually, uh, Dr. Tarman wrote a blog article that's uh, currently on the website already. So you can check that out. There's a bit more information on what we discussed here today. Uh, our website is mywifethedietitian.com. If you have questions or comments, you just want to reach out to us and uh, say hi anything like that, you can email us at mywifetherd at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're on there quite often, so there's lots of different things on there you can you can look at. You can also comment and reach out to us through those platforms as well. And don't forget to rate and review the show. That's always helpful. We appreciate hearing your feedback. We like the comments. It helps other people find the show and, and uh, helps them understand what it's all about. So if you're interested in doing that, that would be much appreciated. Yeah, and the article that Dr. Tarman wrote is on the blog, as Rob said. It's called Food Addiction, and it's dated January 4th, 2024. And the subtitle, or like the contents include food addiction. Yes, it is a real thing. What happens in the brain? Key signs and symptoms. The importance of abstinence most important recovery tip, and seeking help, ask for support. And then there's more information about Dr. Vera Tarman in there at the bottom. Yeah, that's yeah, worth a look. And there's lots of other articles on the site too. There's there's lots of uh, good resources there. So stick around, check those out. That is it for this week. We will be back Wednesday with Nutrition Nuggets. So until then, have a great week, everyone. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for joining us today on My Wife the Dietitian. If you like what you heard, don't be shy. Leave us a comment or review and be sure to share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to hear more, hit that subscribe button. 
You can also follow us on our social media pages for updates, episode trailers, and other odds and ends. For more info and links on what we discussed on today's episode, check the show notes. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun-filled episode. Thank you.